بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وعلى سوره الصاد سوره نمبر 38 اند ايه نمبر 73 اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن فسجد الملائكة كلهم أجمعون إلا إبليس استكبر وكان من الكافرين So as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam fashioned him from the clay made him into a human being breathed in him life and as soon as life came into adam everybody uh, fell into sajda meaning the angels so the angels they made sajda all of them together collectively all of them kulluhum ajma'un collectively meaning they were in congregation and they were not making sajda individually so as a group they were united and they showed their obedience to Allah as part of the tradition of dhikr the surah is about dhikr sad wal quran is dhikr the quran being one of dhikr so this is a reflection of the dhikr of the angels the angels live uh, primarily on dhikr and this dhikr was represented through them making sajda to Adam following the command of Allah. Dhikr means to follow the command of Allah. So that is what they did as a community. The community of angels, they all bowed down to Adam because Allah wanted them to do so. Illa Iblis, except that Iblis did not Iblis is not an angel he is a jinn and he reached the ranks of the lower council of angels through his ibadah but since he was also present in the audience the command was to him also mm. so if you're in an audience and someone commands you do something even though you may not be uh, a soldier or a cadet or a student or an employee the command goes to you also since you are present so Iblis first of all didn't say that the command was for him he knew the command was for him also he didn't make that argument Iblis uh, Iblis was there and he did not comply with Allah's command to bow down in front of Adam to acknowledge Adam's creation and Adam's superiority and so Iblis did not bow down and he did not make sajda the Quran says the reason for this is istakbara he assumed to be weak to be great and to be big he deemed himself to be big istakbara means to deem greatness 
and uh, to be thinking that you are better or you are good. Mm. Uh, so that is what this word istakbar means. So Iblis thought he was bigger and better than Adam and that's why he refused to bow down, which is mentioned in other ayat of the Quran. It's mentioned here in this series also. وَكَانَ مِنَ الْكَافِرِينَ He became amongst those who are non-believers and who are rejectors of Allah's command. Kafir here doesn't mean someone who denies Allah's existence. Kafir here means someone who doesn't follow Allah's instructions. That is what kufr here means. Right? Iblis believed in Allah. He was talking to him. <laughs> right? He was addressing him. So Iblis knew and knows that Allah exists, but since he resisted and refrained from uh, bowing down to Adam, he became a disbeliever, an unbeliever, he became a kafir. So it is not always in the rejection of God that you become a kafir, it's also in the rejection of God's command that you may become a kafir, or you do become a kafir. Mm, yeah. So that is something that we must also appreciate how the Quran uses these words to show that anyone who lacks the adab of dhikr, of being reminded that Allah is the Lord and the Creator, then they will live in a state of kufr and disobedience. So here the kufr of Iblis is disobedience, not rejection of God's existence. So on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then initiates a question-answer with Iblis to prove his, uh, what do you call it, hujjah, and uh, apply his proof against Iblis and setting the foundation for him to be permanently rejected. At that time, or until this time, Iblis was a worshipper of Allah. He worshipped Allah for thousands of years and he grew into the ranks of the lower council angels and he was known as uh, someone who was <coughs> basically a good person. But the hidden uh, and the latent uh, arrogance uh, of Iblis came into existence as soon as he was met with competition, the competition being Adam. So it is usually in the face of competition that people fail. So here, since he was competing with Adam, Iblis failed drastically and miserably. قَالَ يَا إِبْلِيسُ مَا مَنَعَكَ أَن تَسْجُدَ لِمَا خَلَقْتُ بِيَدَيَّ Allah says, O Iblis, what has prevented you from bowing down to that which I have created with my own two hands. Hmm. Own two hands. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has both hands or right hands. As the hadith says, Allah has two hands. And the nature of his hands, we don't know. But he has hands. We believe he has hands. The nature of his hands, it is not for us to speculate. It is beyond our intellect. We believe what Wahi tells us and informs us. So he, when he mentions he created him from both hands, okay, uh, then it may mean symbolically 
not as a translation, but symbolically that Allah's names, all of them, come into Adam, is all his names, the Jalali and Jamali, those that are magnificent names and those that are majestic names, both come into these species that is now represented by Adam, whatever the actual symbol or meaning is, we believe it is what it is. So Allah subhanahu wa is saying to Iblis, I created Adam with my two hands, why don't you bow down in front of this being and in front of this species that has everything that I own, basically. It is another application of the word. أَسْتَكْبَرْتَ أَمْ كُنْتَ مِنَ الْعَالِينَ Have you now become arrogant and do you think you are better? Or are you from those who are high? Ali, high. So anyway, so the one of two things must have happened. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to Iblis, only one of two things could prevent you from uh, bowing down in front of Adam. One is that you deemed yourself to be bigger and better and superior, which is istikbaro, assuming arrogance. And the second is that you're not from the group of angels that were instructed to bow down, which would be, I think, in line with the words of the Qur'an here. Is one interpretation. Am kuntum min al-alina. Are you from those who are from the higher council, from the higher ones? Anyway, whatever Allah means, we accept and we believe. So Iblis now has assumed that he is better, and he says so. Qala ana khayrum min hu. Iblis says, I am better than he. I am much better than him. So first and foremost, <coughs> the presumption of Iblis that he is better is wrong. It doesn't matter if you're better. What matters is that you did not obey Allah's command. So whether you're better or uh, superior or inferior is not in the equation. What's in the equation is the hukum. So in Sharia, we go with what is the hukum. We don't go with the rationality of the hukum in order to apply it whether we agree or disagree with the law. We still have to follow it. Nobody agrees to pay taxes, but we all pay taxes. So just because you disagree with the law doesn't mean you don't have to abide by it. That's the rule of life, unfortunately. So if you have a civil society, which is law-abiding, then I'm sure 50% of the laws we don't appreciate. Anyway, so there are so many laws, man-made laws, that we despise, but you're still obligated to follow the law. We don't like the speeding laws. But the policeman, if he catches you, he doesn't care whether you like it or not. He just give you a ticket. Same rationality is used here, that it doesn't matter, Iblis, whether you understood the reason or you didn't understand the reason, whether you're better or whether you're less. Okay, the point is you broke the law. When you break the law, you get a ticket. And your ticket is 
damnation forever. That's your ticket. This is how you justify the law and order in human society. So Iblis wants to be an anarchist. He does not want to be refereed even by God. He doesn't want God to say, you must do this. He wants to justify, he wants God to justify his uh, command. In Iblis' mind, God was not justified in giving the command which is what makes him a kafir. Total rejection of God's law. That is the arrogance that Iblis is presenting. So whether you understand something or not, if it's law, you abide by it, you apply it, and so on. Then he gives his reasoning uh, for saying that he's better. Uh, this is not Allah is not asking if he's just uh, making a case for himself. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to defend his position. <laughs> you made me from fire, and you made him from mud. Uh, and fire is better than mud. Uh, that was his reasoning very simple and perhaps simplistic. When you break it down and you tear it apart, you can see it is not at all rational what Iblis is saying. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates species from different material, different matter. Allah creates the angels from nur. He creates the jinn from fire. He creates the human being from mud and clay and dust and uh, the soil of the earth, and that is his creation. Allah creates whatever he wants, the way he wants to. Okay. The choice of the material uh, does not impact Allah himself. The choice of the material impacts the creation. Mm. Right. So now, if a, a person who is a builder builds three buildings, then you will have to acknowledge the might and power and the creativity uh, the genius of the builder, whether it's this building or that building or that building. Uh, if a cook uh, cooks three meals, all three are excellent, then you will say he's a good cook, uh, without saying that because he cooked this one, he's a good cook, and not include the other two meals. So whenever somebody has a talent, then uh, his talent is going to be uh, appreciated if there is variety. Right. So Iblis saying, خَلَقْتَنِي وَخَلَقْتَهُ Then he's missed the point. The point is خَلَقْتَ You created. Not ni, me or him. <laughs> so it's not in the object of creation. It's in the subject of creativity that he should be looking at. He was looking at the creation, whereas he should have been looking at the creator. So Allah is using these words to represent what Iblis says so that we may appreciate from the words itself that his premise is wrong. If you want to appreciate creation, then you must appreciate the creator. And the creator creates everything. Right. So throughout the Quran, Allah mentions His creation. Throughout the Quran, Allah mentions the creation. This one, this one, this one. So many of them. Allah swears by His creation. 
والسماء والطارق والشمس وضحاها والليل إذا يخشاها and so on. So Allah creates by the creation. He swears by the creation and he sees that his creation represents him. So his creation is a symbol of his creativity, not the other way around that you're going to say, this creation is this way and everybody else doesn't matter. Okay, so he has restricted and narrowed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creativity into him, whereas the creator is not restricted. He can create anything he wants to from anything. So if anything, he should have said that uh, uh, since you created man from dirt, that is the most marvelous creation because that seems to be a greater miracle than creating from nur and creating from fire. Creating life from mud and clay and dirt and soil where it's dead anyway. Nar has life. Fire has life, right? A fire has its own mind, as they say. You talk to the firefighters, the fire has its own mind, it's a monster, it has its own life, and it does what it wants to. Noor has its own life. But dust and dirt, there's no life. You trample upon it. You walk on it. There's no life in dirt. So to create life in dirt, that's the major miracle. But Iblis missed the point. He was worried about himself. You created me. Yeah, why did you create him? Uh, I will worship you if you only created me. I won't worship you if you create him. Uh, so now his objection was not only against Adam. His objection was, was against God for deserting him. Uh, you deserted me. Uh, that you brought this one into the equation. And that's where the competition and the jealousy came in. And as a result of that, he became arrogant. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't argue back with uh, Iblis. Iblis knows that he cannot justify disobeying the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As I, the issue is with creation. Creativity and the creator, not with what he creates. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to Iblis. And sends and he says, "Qala, fakhruj minha, fa inna karajim." Again, the balagha of the Quran is super, uh, superb here. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says that you must now uh, go away from here, leave from here, get out from here. You don't deserve to be in the courtyard of the angels. You don't deserve, deserve to be with the angels. The angels are made of nur, and you're made of nar. The angels are made of light, pure light, and you're made of fire. You don't deserve to be here in the first place. You must leave. You don't belong here. <laughs> you're a foreigner here. Go back to where you came from. But we're not going to send you back to where you came from, which is the fire. We're going to send you to earth the one that you rejected, go down to the lowest level of life there is. For in the rajim, because you are cursed. Rajim, when we do rajam, what is that? The same word in the balagha of the Quran. So shaitan is rajim, meaning marjum. 
and he's pelted with. So in Hajj, what do we do? We pelt. Rajam. We do Rajam, right? Ramil Jimar, Rajmul Jimar. Rajam is stoning and pelting someone with stone and rock and earth and dirt. And that is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes care of the devil at the time of Hajj through the hands of Muslims and believers uh, that they pelt the devil. And the devil is literally marjum uh, in those days when we go and pelt uh, the devil. Three days. Mm. So Rajib means someone who is cursed, someone who is driven away. Someone who is marjum, in the sense of someone who is stoned. So Allah's now a divine chastisement against the devil and Iblis is that a time there, a time is appointed uh, when uh, human beings will pelt him with dirt, the thing that he rejected. He, re he rejected Adam because Adam was created from dirt. So Allah says, okay, we'll make sure that we pelt you with dirt. Uh, Rajim, from the wordings of the Quran, you see, that you are now going to be pelted and you are cursed. Cursed is the first step and the second step through the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, is the final debacle of the devil. That is why it's mentioned to the Prophet وسلم, and it's mentioned uh, in the Quran here so that people who read the Quran will know that the devil has to be pelted and he should be stoned and he should be driven away from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He does not belong there. And then upon you is my curse until the day of judgment. So Iblis knows there's a day of judgment. Iblis believes there's a day of judgment because he knows there is one. So knowing is believing. If you reject after knowing, then that is a high level of kufr. So Iblis' kufr is much greater than the kufr of others. Because Iblis knows, but yet he refuses to comply with the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ila yawmiddin, until the day of judgment, you will be given some respite. And so on, which is what's mentioned in the next ayah. Uh, so my lana and my curse is upon you, meaning that you will not receive the nur of the angels, you will not live with them. Because if any devil or jinn wants to eavesdrop uh, from the angels who are the lower level uh, or lower heaven, they are pelted with missiles. So even there, they're marjumun. They're regime, they're pelted. As is mentioned uh, in the Quran, also in Hadith, that they seek to eavesdrop in the conversations that angels have. And once they get there, uh, they are met with these uh, uh, missiles, uh, these meteorites, and they're pelted with that, and then they are destroyed by that. So this is one application of la'na, that they cannot listen to wahi, and they can't listen to the commands of the angels, and they can't listen to <coughs> the conversations of angels, because the angels live in a place where there is nur. And he lives in a place, and the devils who live with him, they live in a place where there is fire, and fire and nur uh, do not mix. So that is one form of the lana, one form of the cursing, that there's a separation now uh, between the people of fire and those with nur. That's one. And the other is that in this world, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affords believers many occasions when he will forgive them. That's also a la'na for the devil. The devil tries so hard to do what he does, mislead people, misguide them, confuse them, cause doubts in their minds and cause them to be depressed and all of that. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favors human beings, especially believers, and he removes them from that darkness into the light of Islam and Iman. And that's another curse for the devil. The devil the nothing destroys the devil's back more than Allah's rahmah. As we know in the hadith of Arfa, the Prophet says that the devil rolls around in dirt on the day of Arfa and he says, Ya Allah, I do everything to make sure these people disobey you and in one moment you have forgiven them all their sins. So now he is the most depressed on that day. So nothing breaks the back of the devil more than Allah's forgiveness. So Allah's forgiveness is in his hands, not in the hands of the devil. The devil will let you believe, or make you believe, that you own Allah's forgiveness, or you don't own Allah's forgiveness. It is not in your hands. It is in the hands of Allah. khair. It is in your hands that there is goodness, we say, from the Quran. So, so there are many ways to understand curse. The curse is not just that Allah condemns him. That he will do in, when he sends him to Jahannam. Right? What does this mean? That my curse is on you until the day of judgment. So where is the curse on the devil in this world? Right? The ayah is saying that Allah curses the devil in this world. Until the day of judgment. After the day of judgment, there is Jahannam. There is no doubt. Iblis is in hell. That's the given. So that's the curse there. But what is the curse of God? on Iblis in this world until the Day of Judgment? If you answer, if you pose that question, then you'll be forced to think of an answer. And the answer is that he is removed from any ability uh, to do what he wants to do uh, in this world in terms of consequence. Uh, that he will do whatever he does, but God will forgive him. And Allah will announce his forgiveness as he announces on the day of Arafah and he announces on the day of Eid, the night of Eid. And so Allah announces that universal forgiveness as he announces every night of Ramadan. So these announcements of forgiveness is a curse for the devil. You work all your life to achieve something, then all of a sudden it is undone simply by Allah's announcement proclamation and so on. Anyway, this is a question you should ask. What is the line of Allah on the devil? What is his curse on the devil in this world? The curse on the devil on the day of judgment, after the day of judgment, is Jahannam. That's where he belongs. But what is his curse here? This is the curse that we see through the Sharia of Muhammad So the devil knows this but yet he continues to do what he does. And as we know, sometimes he succeeds. Iblis then says, My Lord. He's addressing Allah as his Lord. Rabbi. Meaning, Allah takes care of Iblis. So Allah raises Iblis to be Iblis. Post Iblis. 
After Iblis became Iblis, Allah raised him to be Iblis. So Iblis can do nothing except be Iblis. So now he's transformed this one who was worshipping Allah with the angels for thousands of years. And in one moment of arrogance and stupidity, Allah takes away that from him and makes him into a non-believer and then raises him to be a formidable non-believer. Rabbi. So Iblis is using Allah's name and sifa, Allah's attribute, to call him and to make dua. So Allah doesn't deprive Iblis of his dua either. To those of you who say that we are deprived of duas. So Iblis, use Iblis's formula to make dua. Iblis is saying, I can make dua, he's still my Lord. So I'm going to ask him for something. One thing I want from God. Give it to me. Andhirni. Give me respite. Ila yawmi ba'athun until the day they are resurrected. Meaning, give me this ability to deceive them until the day of judgment. Because after the day of judgment, the matter is closed. And the books are folded, as we know. So Iblis is now knowledgeable enough to know that God will not reject a dua. And he summons God by the word Rabb, Rabbi, my Lord. You, my Lord, you're going to raise me now in sin and to be a devil and so on. So now give me this. I need the tools by which I can be a devil. Ah. That's the genius of Iblis, evil genius. That, that comes into the human beings. Uh, the human beings become evil geniuses. And they do things, unfortunately, uh, just to be devils. Uh, as the Quran says, Shayateen al-Ins wal-Jinn. So they are Shayateen of the Ins, of humans, and they are Shayateen of the Jinn, of the Jinn kind. So you have both groups of devils, human devils and Jinn devils. They run, run the world and they roam around the world uh, through their deceit and so on. Allah says, then indeed you are from those who are given respite. I'll give you that. But Allah has his plan. Until the appointed time, the fixed time. When that fixed time is over, then you will no longer have any ability to do anything except be condemned eternally forever. Yeah. So Iblis now uses this opportunity, although it's a very short time. In terms of Qiyamah, in terms of the Day of Judgment and the Akhirah, the eternity that we'll, inshallah, experience uh, in Jannah, the time that Iblis is given to misguide people is very short because the time of people on earth is very short. It's not long. It's a very short time. Compared to eternity. Eternity is eternity. SubhanAllah. And even if you have a million, million year here, it's still minuscule in front of eternity. It's almost non-existent. That is why ila yawmil waqtil ma'loom is there to define the limited ability in time of Iblis. And the time is limited. Al-ma'loom. It is fixed and appointed. Um, Iblis then comes and says, okay, in this limited time, whatever fixed time there is, 
لَأُغْوِيَنَّهُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ I swear by your superior, superiority. Yeah, I swear by your might. With your might I swear. So Iblis is now using Allah's name and Allah's attribute to bring down this uh, issue of being given this ability. So Iblis is now uh, using Allah's name to create an effect. And that's what we do when we make dua to Allah. We use Allah's name to bring down a certain effect, a specific effect from that name. So Allah Iblis now understands how Allah works. He knows how Allah works, at least to his advantage. And he says, it is through your might, I swear, that most certainly, indeed, I will now deceive them and lead them astray. I will cause them to go astray through your might, meaning give me a portion of your might so that I can use that force to misguide people. Ajma'een altogether. So Allah gives him a little bit, not too much, just a little bit. We may assume that he has been given a lot, but in reality, Iblis has not been given uh, enough to misguide all of human beings, especially the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, collectively, uh, as is mentioned in Surah Al-Araf, uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes care of those who are pious people. And uh, Iblis doesn't have any sultan authority over those who trust in Allah. Once you trust in Allah, Iblis has no authority over you. Iblis only has authority if you give him authority. Mm. He's mentioned, as I said, in Surah Al-Araf. We'll discuss that when we get there, inshallah. So Iblis's authority is only through insinuation and the fact that he camouflages himself uh, as someone who is a well-wisher and someone who now decorates bad deeds in your eyes, in your mind. And you say, this is good. Uh, you must do this because it's good for you. It feels good. Mm. That's the way of deception, where Iblis now gives you immediate joy, pleasure, comfort, and satisfaction at the expense of mid-term or long-term joy and pleasure and satisfaction. That is Iblis's now ploy. That he wants you to enjoy what is here immediately and not defer to what is good in a few years or after you die and so on. That is the approach, the approach of the Iblis <coughs> and the devil. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, okay, illa ibadaka, except Iblis also now uh, concedes, illa ibadaka minhumul mukhlasim, except your servants from those who are now purified. Those who are chosen, meaning obviously the uh, Anbiya, the Prophets, who are mukhlas, and those who follow the Prophets sincerely, they are also mukhlas, that they are purified, and they are chosen, and they are elite. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not allow Iblis to deceive them, to misguide them, and so on, because that is the position of Wahi. Wahi will override any and every insinuation from the devil. The devil's insinuations are non-existent in front of Wahi. Wahi trumps that, and Iblis is not able to insinuate any Nabi in any way, shape, or form. The Iblis will never be able to misguide any Nabi in any action uh, whatsoever. This is part of the dhikr, this is part of the haqq, 
And this is part of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wants human beings to appreciate that Allah has sent human beings down and he sent with human beings his enemy who is there with him. So now you're going to have a tension in life. The tension is you are programmed to do good because you are human and you are deceived to do bad because the devil is there with you. Okay, so there are two forces. One force is that of your own conscience, which says, I must be good. I want to be good. What the Quran calls nafsul lawwama, the very critical self. When you do something wrong, you know you've done something wrong. You criticize yourself. You blame yourself. I shouldn't have done that. That's you talking. And then Iblis comes along and says, okay. In fact, he might justify it for you in your mind. Or he might not. It doesn't matter. But there are two forces. One force is internal, which is you. The other force, which is external, which is the devil. So the external force sometimes overrides the internal. And that is the challenge for human beings. That human beings must use the apparatus of dhikr to overcome the devil. This surah is about dhikr. Saad al-Qur'an al-dhikr. Meaning this through the dhikr. The institution of dhikr will help you overcome the external force of the devil. Uh, he will not have authority over you if you trust Allah, if you believe in Allah, and if you do what Allah wants you to do. Otherwise, you'll be in trouble. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, well, there is this force, this ten these two forces in play. There is a tension, and that tension unfortunately creates confusion in the minds of people, and that is why people get upset and angry and depressed and the rest of it. Uh, these psychological illnesses all reasons to believe that the devil is there with us and in us. Hmm. Here, Allah subhanahu mentions the definitive statement uh, that this is the haqq. This is what? The truth. The truth is, I will allow uh, this human being to live on earth with you being his adversary. That is the truth. That is part of my creation. Allah does not deny creation. Allah does not deny the haqq, the truth. And as we know, prophets always uh, informed people of the haqq, no matter how bitter it may be. The Quran is a book of revelation. It reveals reality. The reality of human beings is that they coexist with the devil. That's a reality. You don't need to cover that up and say why. Why does God create the devil? Because he did. Why do, you get, why do you get headaches? Because you do. Why? So you sit there thinking about why, why. Why do you get allergies? Why do you need to go to work? <laughs> why anything in the world? So if you stop and ask the question, why, 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 all the time, that is the ploy of the devil. He wants you to ask why. That's what he's doing. The evil genius is there, ask why. There has to be a reason why. There has to be no reason except the haqq. The haqq is the reason why things happen. Allah is the reason. If it happens, it's the haqq. If it doesn't happen, then it's a fantasy. Right? If something happens, it means the haqq. Right? If it happens, there's no kadhiba. Nothing to deny and belittle what has happened. An event happened. 
because it happened. Why? You ask Allah when you meet him, why it happened. You can wait until then. But don't deny the truth. If you have a headache, say you have a headache, don't say you don't have a headache. So if the devil is there, then say the devil is there. Don't say he is not there. Then negotiate the devil. Negotiate the haq through the haq. Negotiate the truth through the truth with the truth. Don't negotiate uh, the truth through falsehood which is another ploy of the devil, that he wants you to deny that he exists. And the Prophet said, not only does he exist, he exists in your blood. And the Sahaba asked, even you, and said, yes, even in me he exists. So he never denied the haq. He never denied the truth, except that I have negotiated with the devil, and my devil doesn't tell me to do anything except good. And so he became a Muslim, my devil. I've converted him. Right? That's the haq also. So now you must do the same. That don't deny the existence of the But you can't blame the devil for mistakes, which is part of Sharia. When you do something wrong, it's your fault. It's not the devil's fault. It's your fault. You take responsibility because you made the choice. Deal with it. That's the haq. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, uh, through Iblis to us, He's recording this and uh, informing us of this wahi, of this event, so that we may take heed and make use of this conversation. Uh, this is the truth. This is the haq. Once you appreciate this is the haq, then you deal with it. Al-haq, I will say. Allah now says, okay. You have a haq in the sense that whatever you do is real and true or uh, at least perceived real. And then what I say is the real. What I say is what? The real. al-haq. I say the real. Understand the difference? We don't have time. Uh, or this class is not meant for that a kind of separation between what is the rafa and al-haq and the nasab and al-haq. Another crowd, inshallah. But what I say is the truth. Allah says, I speak the truth much more than you know the truth. Your understanding of the truth is limited, and my speaking the truth is comprehensive, it is uh, holistic, and it is the whole thing. And once you understand what Allah has to say through the institution of dhikr, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be the one who is going to redeem us and forgive us. And let us go, inshallah, to our uh, return journey, our destination, and so on. But the other haq is this one in the following ayah. Uh, Most certainly, indeed, I will fill up Jahannam uh, with you and with those who follow you all together. So whoever follows you in being your representatives on earth, and by misleading people and becoming devils and devil's agents, I will use them and you to fill up the space in Jahannam. Right. This is the haq I'm speaking. Right. So I speak the haq 
and you think of the haqq. And this is the ultimate haqq that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is informing all Muslims and readers of the Quran that if you want felicity, if you want salvation, and if you want to be in Jannah, then you must stay away from the devil. That's the dhikr. That's the lesson and that's the reminder. And the, the quick footnote about filling up Jahannam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save most people, inshallah, uh, from Jahannam. The idea of filling up Jahannam is that there will be no space left in Jahannam, as mentioned in the hadith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove everybody he wants to remove from Jahannam, and there will be space left, then he will put his foot down. And when he puts his foot down, uh, Jahannam will say, Qattu, Qattu, enough, enough. And there will be no more space left for anyone else to enter Jahannam. That's the meaning of, I will fill up. So the space will be not as much as Jannah, otherwise Jannah will not be Jannah. That's just a footnote so that uh, you do not see this Jahannam as one huge space where millions and millions of people uh, will be living. Only Allah knows and Allah save us all from Jahannam and the fire and save us from punishment and doom. At the same time, the hadith explains that uh, Jahannam will be constricted. When Allah puts his foot down, it will become very, very narrow and no one else will be allowed to enter in that place. Allah minha. We'll see you soon, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, subhanakumullah, alhamdulillah. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta,